0: Welcome back to The Durst Show. Uh, Yesterday, I talked about what I consider one of the greatest dangers currently facing our constitutional rule of law, the attempt by some get Trump uh, lawyers, judges, law professors to try to invoke the 14th Amendment to prevent Trump from running for president of the United States. It's a bizarre idea, plainly unconstitutional. But when it comes to get Trump, nothing, nothing is sacred, not the Constitution, not the rule of law. Uh, recently, Professor Lawrence Tribe and, and, and Judge Lutech, Judge Lutech, who was called by MSNBC, uh, a modern day Paul Revere. I would change it a little. A modern day Joe McCarthy would probably be a, a little clearer. I've argued in front of Judge Ludic. He was a a result-oriented judicial um, um, uh, person who who, uh, didn't really ever uh, consider uh, legal analysis more than the results. Um, I was never a fan. A lot of Republicans liked him. Now, a lot of Republicans are leading the get Trump charge, Um, uh, 30 or so more of them, former Republican professors, judges, etc., wrote a a brief, an amicus brief, to the court in the District of Columbia urging them to rush to injustice by putting Trump on trial on January 2nd, which would be so clearly unconstitutional. As I've said, if I were one of the lawyers in that case, I would stand in front of the judge and say, sorry, Your Honor, I'm not trying this case on January 2nd. You can't make me violate my oath of office to provide a zealous uh, defense you would be inviting an ineffective assistance of counsel. I am not an ineffective assistance of counsel. I am not trying in this case in four months and three weeks after the indictment. It's unheard of. I don't care what these law professors think. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it, and I urge every other lawyer to refuse to step into court and to defend anybody on this kind of a rush to injustice schedule. It violates the defendant's rights to a fair trial. It confuses the government's uh, obligation to provide a fair trial with some sort of uh, speedy trial. Speedy trial in the Constitution only applies to defendants. But these these get Trump lawyers, they don't care. Let's get Trump. Let's put him on trial in four months and three weeks. The Constitution, be damned. Preparation, be damned. Due process, be damned. The Sixth Amendment, zealous advocacy, be damned. Let's get a conviction before the election. That's what we're out to do. No, no, no. That's why the Constitution was written to stop zealots like you from destroying the Constitution. It was Louis Brandeis who once said the greatest danger to democracy lies with people of goodwill zealous, but without understanding. That's a compliment. You guys understand. You're just distorting justice. You understand. You're smart enough to know what you're doing. It's no excuse. The Brandeis argument is no excuse. You're not ignorant. You're malicious. And that's much, much, much worse. So now they probably will fail in their effort to bring this to trial before the election. Maybe they'll succeed in some places. Maybe they won't. The goal is to get a conviction. Before the election, and then they know there'll be reversals of the convictions, but that will happen after the election. So it won't affect the election. The appeal or reversals won't, only the convictions, uh, only the conviction will. Even the indictments were designed in time to influence the election, and they are influencing the election. They're making Trump more popular, probably among Republicans, and probably less popular among independents, but we're not, we're not too sure of that. But they have a backup plan. And the backup plan is so insidious and so dangerous to democracy. I've mentioned this to you. I have to repeat it very briefly. They point to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that says no person shall be a president of the United States have having engaged in insurrection or rebellion. And Tribe and, and Ludic uh, have ridiculously said this is self-enforcing. It's like the 35-year-old requirement. You have to be president. No, 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 you don't need a jury trial to determine whether somebody's 35. Just look up the birth certificate. You do need a process to determine whether somebody is engaged in insurrection or rebellion. Uh, That's a very complicated issue. You can't just say, whoops, any secretary of state, any secretary of state, no matter who it is, no matter what state, can simply declare, I think President Trump engaged in this conduct and I'm going to take them off the ballot. You can't vote for them. That's not due process. That's not the constitution. That's get Trump. But I discovered something It's interesting. When you reread the constitution, it's a little bit like reading the Torah or the new Testament uh, or the Quran. When you read it over and over again, you actually see things that you never saw before. So I have now seen something in this article of the constitution that as far as I know, nobody has pointed out so far, everybody has assumed that this provision, section three, is a disqualification provision. That's the word that's been used. Disqualifying a candidate from running for office. How many times have you heard that? Trump is disqualified. Tribe says so, Lutex says so, he's disqualified. That's not what the constitution says. It doesn't talk about running for office. Yep, let me say it again. It doesn't talk about running for office. It talks about serving in office. Let me read it to you. No person shall be a senator, etc., a president. No person shall be. It doesn't say no person shall run for. It doesn't say no person shall be a candidate for. It says no person shall be a president. No person shall be a president. Now, what does that mean? What that means is that this could be used against a sitting president. It could be used against Joe Biden today. If you get people in Congress or anywhere else saying, you know, we think Joe Biden has engaged in insurrection or rebellion. Well, you know, that stuff with Burisma, it sounds a little like treason. He was putting the interests of his son before the interests of the government. What about the open borders? It's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. None of it constitutes an insurrection or rebellion, but neither does what President Trump did, a speech in front of the Capitol in which he says, or, or in, in the uh, other area near the Capitol, where he says, I want you to have your voices heard uh, peacefully and patriotically. That's not an insurrection. That's not a rebellion. Uh, but but some Secretary of State may say it is, and some Secretary of State may say the same thing about Biden. But So Think about the implications of what this absurd, dangerous argument. The implications are this. This provision can be used instead of impeachment. It can be used against any sitting president, any sitting senator, any sitting congressman, any sitting mayor, any sitting mayor, any sitting tax collector, any sitting dog catcher. Look what it says. It says as an officer of the United States or member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial office of any state, anything, anything, uh, shall not hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or any state if they, in the view of somebody, engaged in an insurrection or rebellion. It was easy after the Civil War The people who fought against the United States were proud of it. They were walking around with their Confederate uniforms. They were flying the Confederate flag. Daughters of the Confederacy, um, mothers of the Confederacy, the Confederacy, veterans of the Confederacy. Nobody was hiding the fact that they fought for the South. They were proud of it. So you didn't need a process for disqualifying them. Oh, there's that guy. Remember him? We've seen his picture. Uh, He was holding the Confederate flag. He was fighting the United States. Now you can't. You can't serve in office, but you try to bring that forward hundred and some years and you accuse somebody of insurrection or rebellion or giving aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, giving aid or comfort to the enemies. You know, I think there are a lot of people who would accuse many people today who have government jobs of giving aid or comfort to the enemy, to China to Iran, to, uh, to uh, Russia. Uh, and there are some people who say, well, you know, our enemies are X, Y, and Z, even though they haven't been declared enemies. So it's an alternative to impeachment. So, so listen to the logic of what Tribe and Ludic and the others are saying. They're saying the framers of the Constitution went to incredibly great lengths to set out the provisions for impeachment in the Constitution, um, section four, the President, Vice President, all other officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And there has to be a trial in the Senate. Two thirds of the Senate has to agree. And the Chief Justice has to preside over the impeachment trial of a, a president. That's the procedure. Now, framers of that provision left something out. What if the person didn't commit treason, bribery, but is totally incompetent? What if he's, in comp- what if he's unconscious? What if he's in a coma? What if he's had a stroke uh, like Woodrow Wilson did? So they wrote the 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment has an even greater sense of procedural protections to remove a person from the presidency. First, his cabinet has to agree. Then it goes through all kinds of steps. and I'm not going to bore you with them. But it's never been used and it probably never will be used, except if a person has has uh, a disabling uh, stroke. The key point about the both provisions, the impeachment provision and the disability provision is they both require bipartisan support. You cannot do it simply if one party wants it. You have to have both parties agreeing. What about the 14th Amendment? No, all you have to do, according to Tribe and Ludic, is a secretary of state, a partisan secretary of state, a Democrat who wants to become the governor, says, I'm going to disqualify him. I'm not going to let him run for I'm not going to let him run for office. Or a member of the senator House says about a sitting president, you know, I think he engaged in insurrection or rebellion. We're not going to invite him to give the State of the Union message or a chief justice saying, I'm not going to give him the oath of office, even though he's elected. Do you think that the framers of the 14th Amendment actually wanted to circumvent the procedures for removing a sitting president? The procedures are so daunting. The impeachment procedures, two thirds of the vote presiding by the chief justice, etc. The disability provision, even more daunting. But no, 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 we don't have to use any of those. All we need is one person self-enforcing, saying, oh, my God, the guy is engaged in a rebellion. And therefore, look, read the words. No person shall be, not shall run for, not shall be a candidate for, but shall be a senator, representative, or president. No person shall be. So we've been misled by the Ludics, the tribes, and the others. We've been misled into thinking this is a disqualification provision for a candidate. No! It's a removal provision for a sitting president and sitting senator. Shall be is the current tense. Shall be. You can't be the president, even if you've been elected. If you have committed, not if you've been convicted of committing, but if you have, read the words again, if you have engaged. It's all it says, engaged. It doesn't even say convicted if you have engaged in insurrection or rebellion or given aid or uh, comfort to the enemies thereof. You know what it says about the intelligence of the framers of the 14th Amendment, if you interpret it that way? Um, uh, Tribe and Ludig were on CNN the other day. Of course, CNN has never presented the opposite point of view. They only present one point of view, and they laud these people as the greatest constitutional scholar in history. Tribe's not a constitutional scholar. Let's be clear about that. He's a constitutional prostitute. He's a constitutional uh, lady of the night. He's a constitutional uh, uh, for sale. He'll, he'll sell his constitutional opinions to the Democrats. Uh, he, he will distort the Constitution. He will create a new Constitution and claim it's part of the Constitution. He'll change his mind from what he wrote in his book. He'll do anything he has to do to support the Democrats. He wanted to impeach Trump before he got into office. I mean, that's how zealous this guy is. He is not a constitutional scholar. Scholarship requires neutrality. It requires objectivity. It requires passing the shoe on the other foot test. It requires coming up with ideas that are equally applicable to Democrats and Republicans. That's what scholars do. Scholars don't serve as paid mouthpieces uh, for hire. Uh, That's what Tribe is doing. And tragically, that's what Ludic is doing. Uh, Ludic used to be highly respected. He's a member of the Federalist, I think he was, of the Society. He was regarded as the conservative judge. He was this close to being appointed to the Supreme Court by a Republican president. But turns out he's nothing of the kind. He's just another result-oriented hack who is prepared to say whatever it takes to get the results he wants. And that result includes get Trump, get Trump. If you can get Trump, no matter what you have to do to the Constitution, you can get on television, look very, very serious and say, well, I'm a constitutional scholar. I've been a professor at Harvard. I've been a federal judge. And let me tell you, the Constitution says You can remove a president or you can require a president not to be able to run for office based on a self-enforcing mechanism enforced by a secretary of state or a local governor or an election counter. One person can take the person off the bat. Oh, but don't worry. That person can sue. Well, how do you know? How do you know the courts will recognize this case? How do you know they won't say? It's a political uh, question. How do you know we will get Resolved by the courts in time to decide the election won't do any good to have the Secretary of State take Trump or anyone else off the ballot, and then a week after the election, whoops, mistake, sorry, he should have been on the ballot. Now you can't undo elections; elections are mandated for a particular day and time. You know, if you think I'm getting angry, you're absolutely right. I have never seen scholarship and judicial issues so distorted by partisans than this situation. This is so obvious on its face and yet hundreds of academics are gonna support this position. It's like the time I defended President Trump in front of the Senate. I was right. Virtually everyone knew I was right when I said to impeach a president, you have to prove treason, bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors by which the framers meant criminal-type behavior akin to treason and bribery. They all knew I was right. But they were willing to look in the camera and say, he's wrong because it's about Trump. They didn't say that. They just said he's wrong. They attacked my scholarship. One of the professors at Harvard had said you need to have a crime. But as soon as I tried to use it for Trump, he then said, oh, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it could be used for Trump. God forbid I would never get tenure at Harvard I'd never be allowed to teach if I actually said that I am presenting a historical defense that might benefit Trump. No, no, no. I didn't mean that. I meant you have to commit a crime, except if you're Donald Trump. If you're Donald Trump, then maybe you don't have to commit a crime. Maybe you've committed a crime. But no, don't let anybody use my article in defense of Trump. That's not scholarship. That's partisan advocacy. And that's what we're seeing happening at universities all over the United States today. Partisan advocacy. Students are not being taught the Constitution. They're being taught how the Constitution can be manipulated to get Trump. How the Constitution can be manipulated to serve the ends of progressive, woke Democrats. That's what our young people are being taught today. And I'm very worried about the future. That's why my next book is entitled the new McCarthyism, why the new McCarthyism of the left is more dangerous than the old McCarthyism of the right. The thesis of the book is the old McCarthyism was done by old people at the end of their careers, people who had no real credibility and were very, very quickly relegated to the dustbin of history. Whereas the new McCarthyism is done by young people, professors, people who will soon be in government, people who will soon be in the editorial boards of the New York Times, people who will soon be uh, running uh, businesses, uh, people who will soon be in charge of our country. And they're the ones who have developed the new McCarthyism and have turned it into the new Americanism. And that's what terrifies me. I'm here to defend the Constitution. I'm here to defend the rule of law. I'm here to defend civil liberties. I don't give a damn about which party wins and which party loses when it comes to the Constitution. Of course, as a citizen, I care. That's why I vote against Trump. That's why I vote for people like Biden, with some hesitation, obviously. But I voted for almost every Democrat with some hesitation. I don't remember a single Democrat I ever voted for. Maybe McGovern, and I think he won two states. Um, But uh, in general, um, I I vote with hesitation. But I, I, I prefer... Democrats, the Republicans, generally, not always, and not woke, not woke Democrats. And you know, as I've said before, if if Bernie Sanders got the Democratic nomination, I'd vote for almost any Republican over him. Um, but um, my concern is the Constitution, and and this document, this Constitution, is being torn apart by Judge Ludig, by Professor Tribe, and by others who insist. That is clear. And by the way, they don't even say it's a closed question, because if they admitted it was a closed question, you don't remove a president based on a closed question. You don't prevent the leading candidate to unseat the incumbent president from running based on a closed question. You have to say it's crystal clear. If any person reading it, you know, Jefferson used to say the law has to be so clear that a reasonable person can understand it if he reads it while running, while running, you know, yeah, I've read this provision now a hundred times while sitting. I do not understand it to replace the impeachment clause, to replace the disability clause, to serve as a way of replacing democracy, as a way of undoing democracy, of saying even if a Republican candidate has a good chance of defeating the Democratic candidate. By the way, I don't think Trump has a good chance of defeating the Democratic candidate, but let's assume there's a case where he has a good chance of defeating the Democratic candidate, that a secretary of state can say to me that I have no constitutional right to to vote against Donald Trump for the third time, and you have no constitutional right to vote for Donald Trump for the third time. What does that do to democracy? Self-enforcing? What does self-enforcing mean? Nothing is self-enforcing in the Constitution. There always has to be a mechanism for enforcing it. Sometimes the mechanisms are set out clearly, as they are with impeachment or disability. Sometimes they're implicit, like with age 35. You know, you got to be 35. Produce a birth certificate. If somebody says you're 34 and proves it, then a secretary of state can presumably keep you off the ballot. Oh, what about natural-born citizen? That's a little harder, but the time of the framing it wasn't. Everybody thought they knew what a natural-born citizen was, so you didn't need a process for determining that. Nobody realized that Trump would come up with uh, a crazy notion that um, Barack Obama was not a natural-born citizen, that he was born, what was it, on Mars or in Kenya or somewhere like that. It wouldn't matter because his mother was an American citizen, and therefore he is a natural-born citizen, not a naturalized citizen. But I can imagine that going to court, but that's a rare one. And the framers were not aware that it would be disputed. But the idea that you create a method by which a secretary of state can decide whether a person engaged in an insurrection or rebellion or gave aid or comfort to the enemies thereof is so inconsistent with how the law operates and the rule of law. So, yes, I am angry. I am pissed. And I will do everything in my power to fight this aberration and this distortion of the Constitution. I want the Constitution to mean what it says. I want it to mean what the framers intended it to mean. I do not want it to mean what Larry Tribe intends it to mean or what Judge Ludic intends it to mean. No, they are special pleaders. They are out to get Trump, and they will use anything in their power to get Trump. And so they have somebody who is going to stand in opposition to them no matter what it takes. As I said, if this case goes to the Supreme Court, I will offer to represent the people who have been disenchantized. And argue the case in the Supreme Court against Tribe, against Ludic, against anybody who thinks that a secretary of state can disqualify voters from voting for or against the candidate of their choice. So I want to renew my opportunity for a debate. I will debate um, um, uh, Larry Tribe. I've offered it to him. He's not accepted. I offer the same opportunity to Judge Ludic. I will debate you. I'll debate you on CNN. I'll debate you on MSNBC. I'll debate you on Fox I'll debate you on Newsmax. I'll debate you on my show. I'll debate you at Harvard Law School. Put up or shut up. Defend your position against a legitimate attack. Don't just go on CNN where people say, oh, my God, what wonderful people. They must be right. Don't go on MSNBC, which calls you the new Paul Revere. Get into a situation where people can show how wrong you are and how dangerous what you're saying is to the survival of American democracy. Okay, letters. Thank you, Professor, for agreeing to defend the people if Florence tribe manipulation gets to the Supreme Court. It's hard to understand how venomous hatred for Trump can make adults lose any ability to reason logically. Boy, I agree with that. Professor Dershowitz, in light of your massive opening statement of defense of former President Trump, this is a really interesting letter, uh, I would be fascinated to hear you put on your prosecutor's hat and present a mock opening argument for the prosecution. Doing so would provide your listeners with a masterclass in zealous advocacy for positions you may personally disagree with. An important skill to have both as a lawyer and a civilian. Thank you for all you do. It's a great idea. I'm not naturally a prosecutor. I've never, I I was involved in one case. I consulted and advised the uh, state attorney of Dade County on a case involving a rogue FBI agent who had informed Whitey Bulger, of who was testifying against him. And so I assisted the prosecution in that case, just as an unpaid consultant, but I've never actually prosecuted a case, but it would be interesting for me to see if I could make an opening argument in rebuttal to the opening argument that I made. And uh, I'm gonna think about that. And if I can get it together, I'll do it in a future show. It would be very, very interesting. I'd be interested in what you think, whether I should do it or not. But you have to understand that it isn't necessarily what I believe. as long as you understand that, I can do it, uh, Professor Dershowitz. You're not as neurotic as Woody Allen. I hope so. I hope that's right. I'm a pretty relaxed guy, actually, uh, even though uh, I'm under a lot of external pressures. But as long as my family is okay, health is okay, I can be pretty relaxed in the face of uh, external uh, external threats to me and external dangers. Okay, this is one. This is typical. You know, but you'll see how relaxed I am when I say it. What dirt does Trump have on you, Allen? Because this is getting pathetic. Okay, you can say it's getting pathetic, but you have to immediately assume that Trump has dirt on Let me tell you one thing. I would never, ever succumb to dirt. I would never, ever agree to say something or not something if somebody had something on me. First of all, nobody's going to have anything on me. I live an open and clean life. Nobody's going to have anything on me. But for example, if some woman who accused me wrongly of sex has happened in the past said, you know, unless you pay me a million dollars or unless you do this, I'm going to reveal you to the public. Go ahead, reveal it to the public. I'm not doing that. I'm not submitting to uh, blackmail. I'm not even doing what Alexander Hamilton did. I would never pay hush money. So no, Trump has nothing on me. And uh, and let me be very clear, Donald Trump, if you're watching this, if you have anything on me, please reveal it because I'm not going to vote for you. So you can't, for example, hold it over me and say, You better vote for me or I'll reveal it. No, reveal it. Go ahead. Reveal anything you have on me. Okay. Uh, Let's see. This is interesting. A communist system. This is a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Um, A communist system can be recognized by the fact that it spares the criminals and criminalizes the political opponent. Well, if the shoe fits, I don't think we're a communist country. I don't think we're a tyranny. I don't think we're a banana republic. But we're a few steps closer to a banana republic today than we were a month ago. And I think Tribe and Ludic uh, each deserve a banana because they're pushing us toward a banana republic, giving a a secretary of state the right to determine who we can vote for and who we can't vote for. That deserves a banana each. So you're getting it. Uh, Alan, would you agree if this goes to the Supreme Court, the prosecution case will not hold water? Absolutely. But the question is, will it get to the Supreme Court? Will they to take the case? Will they take it in a timely fashion? That's the question. I bought this book because it was banned in bookstores and for his staunch constitutional standing, love the book. Thank you. No, that's a good reason for buying the book. Um, it can't be bought in local bookstores. And if any of you try to get it in a local bookstore, I'd be interested in you writing me and telling me what they tell you. It was the number one bestseller on Amazon for nonfiction books. Why can't you buy it in your local bookstore? Uh, how is it, sir, that you seem to be the only professor of law who speaks the correct language of the Constitution? Well, I don't think I'm the only one, but I do think there are too few who actually view the Constitution in a neutral, unbiased, nonpartisan way. And so, as I said, I'm not any smarter than the rest of them. I'm just a little bit more honest. So uh, let's see. Um, they're trying to criminalize lawyers, coming up with novel theories. Under that standard, Professor better stick. To op- pining in the media and not undertake actual legal work that that contemplates what he advocates. You know, it, it's I don't wish that on on my former colleague. Um, but uh, once you start criminalizing lawyers' advice, uh, there is no no exact no no end to that. And then final letter. This is exactly why they keep calling January sixth an insurrection. I think that's right. They use the word insurrection to try to come and to try to bring the events of January 6th into the 14th Amendment. But we're not falling for it. We're not falling for it. The framers of the 14th Amendment didn't intend that, and we're not going to let them get away with it. See you tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission.